remember I had lasagna. How do you want that cooked? Not too cooked for bloody hell. You want me to hold the chicken? I want you to hold it between your knees. And to drink. Ha ha. This is Bill. He's been a waiter for three years since he left Penn State. He had to get work. He likes the town. He paints toy soldiers and he's gay. Give us a bottle of your fine champagne. Five shirt cocktails and some bread for my brother. Hey everyone, it's Matt Knutson, and welcome to the Grabbing Lunch Podcast. Grabbing Lunch, episode 11. This podcast goes to 11. Episode 11, this is my lunch with Maz Jabrani and Jamie Kaler. Uh, my friends, it has always been my belief that brevity is the soul of podcast introductions. Uh, so that being said, I'd like to get to the episode sooner than later. However, I would be remiss if I didn't offer you the opportunity to follow me on Twitter, at Matt Knudsen, M-A-T-T-K-N-U-D-S-E-N. You can also check me out on my website, mattknudsen.com, if you're interested in seeing some upcoming live appearances, some videos, or if you, uh, if you even want to support me as I run the Los Angeles Marathon as part of Team St. Jude's Children's Hospital. That is uh, on Sunday, March 9th, 2014. All of that and more is at Matt. Knutson.com. All right, enough with the shameless huckstering. My guests and good friends, both these guys I've known really 10 plus years, and I, I, I love them both dearly. Maz Jabrani. Maz Jabrani is the creator of the Axis of Evil Comedy Tour. He's a tremendously hilarious and successful national and international headlining comedian. In addition to doing stand-up, you've seen Maz on the big screen in movies like The Interpreter with Sean Penn, and even on TV shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David, and many, 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 many more. Uh, You can check out his touring schedule and learn more about him. The website, M-A-Z-J-O-B-R-A-N-I, MazJabrani.com, and MazJabrani... Sounds like this. Like the experience I had with this film, I said if I could do a movie every two years and I made enough money to keep me going, yeah, you'd be out. I would do it. Absolutely. I wouldn't even want to be on the sitcom. My other guest for lunch, and it's so rare that I use this word, but the incomparable Jamie Kaler. Jamie Kaler, uh, honestly one of my best friends in comedy. You may remember Jamie from playing Mike Callahan on the long-running TBS series My Boys. He's also been in a ton of other shows, including Will and Grace, Parenthood, and he even does voices for Robot Chicken on Adult Swim. If that were not enough, Jamie Kaler and I do a radio show together on Sirius XM Radio every Tuesday at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific on Sirius XM Channel 97. Sirius XM 97. Uh, You can check him out and learn more about him. He's just a prince of a guy. Uh, It is jamiekaler.com. J-A-M-I-E-K-A-L-E-R.com. And Jamie Kaler... Sounds like this. I was basically hanging on the front bumper under the car as the car drove me like another 50 years. That is a great story, and you're not going to believe it, but alcohol 
was involved. Uh, it is the Grabbing Lunch podcast, my friends. You can see pictures of my guests, link to conversation topics, or even make a donation to the show by visiting the website grabbinglunch.com. Uh, plus, a portion of every donation goes to support the LA Food Bank here in Los Angeles. So, Make sure and stay in touch with the show. Give us a follow on SoundCloud. Subscribe on iTunes. Hey, give the show a five-star rating and write a nice review. Why wouldn't you do that? And last but uh, certainly not least, we're on Stitcher Radio, GrabbingLunch.com, on Facebook, at GrabbingLunch on Twitter, or you can just find me at MattKnudson.com. Okay, so with that, here is my lunch with uh, Jamie Kaler and Maz Jobrani at Greenblatt's Deli. Actually, Greenblatt's Deli is almost the unofficial green room for the Laugh Factory in Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard. It's the deli and restaurant that's right next to the Laugh Factory. And that's where a ton of comedians go and uh, and get a sandwich, a cup of coffee before and after their shows. So um, away we go. Greenblatt's Daily, grabbing lunch. Let's eat. Not at all. Like New York or like yeah. Europe or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LA was founded in 1941. Yeah. yeah. 1982. <laughs> it was a good year. Yeah. Making some tough decisions over there. What? Making some tough decisions over there. It's really, really nice. What would you like to eat? I was so breakfast. I was so breakfast oriented. Missing out. We uh. Sometimes, my life just throws you a fucking wrench, and you're not ready for it. This is a lunch wrench. Yeah. We've got bagels. Bagels, salmon, fish, smoked salmon. you got to stop yelling at me. I can't. Listen, Taylor. <laughs> Step up. <laughs> Make a decision. Is this how the relationship falls apart? 2014. This is a new year. That's our year. Well, especially with meals, because my brain is like, look, you're only going to have a couple of days. Three, three day tops. Yeah. I already had breakfast. Yeah. And so I don't really have two meals left. I don't want to waste one. No, I was ready for it. Huh? I was going to do an omelet. Then you have that breakfast. What would you have? Before, cereal? Oh, I had oatmeal oh. with uh, some raspberries and blueberries. Well, oh. you can't hide money. No. You know, it just shows up somewhere. Dude, what do you want? Brown sugar. Do I have to say more? <laughs> Listen, you're blowing all the gold on this thing. Yeah. This we is we the podcast that people love to hear. Huh? This is the stuff people love to hear on a drive to Utah. Yeah. <laughs> I am ready to make a decision. It's the classic. Although then I saw turkey close. But the problem is you come to Greenblatt's, you are, you know, they, they flaunt the pastrami in front of you because it says rated best pastrami in America. Coleman Andrews in his new book on the 250. I mean, that guy I've never heard about says it's the best. So this guy, Coleman Andrews, made up name. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Like, like you can Jeff Smith yeah, said right? it's good. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you say, buddy. I'm sure they got good pastrami. That was like my first resume. Coleman Andrews? My first acting resume. It was like, uh, uh, films. I just made up like three films. Of course. Right. Directed by Tom Meadows. <laughs> the Tom Meadows? Uh, in, the, in the night of life. Aventura, <laughs> Aventura Pictures. Good luck finding that. The problem was, in those days, you didn't... You couldn't Google me. There was no IMDb. There was, no MDB, there was nothing. So who were they to go? I go, let's say... <laughs> Yeah. It's, a, it's a student film. Yeah. You know, now they'll look you up immediately. Yeah. Go, Either that or it's just like, actually, I'm Tom Andrews, and I've never heard of you. Like, yeah. Oh, no, my life. I did the thing with my bartending resume when I first came out. I just made it up. 
You attended bar at uh, O'Brien's. O'Brien's, right? O'Brien's. I came out of the Navy. I didn't really have like, a history of bartending. Or... Just drinking experience. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I drank a lot. I mean, get me wrong. I had a lot of bar experience. So, wait, so then do you, do you the then, do you then um, go and get a book and learn how to make certain drinks? Or do you go and wing it? My first job at the Crocodile Cafe, and luckily it was like a slower bar. And so I bought the Mr. Boston and I kept it next to the register. And then any, I would kind of try to memorize stuff. And then when somebody ordered a drink, I didn't know. I'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let me let me cash this guy. Yeah, I'll be right back. Even if there was nobody else at the bar, I like, just gotta cash the check. I bet. And then I would, as I was touching the register, my hand was opening Mr. Boston and looking at the drink. And then I would go back and pour the drink. That's genius. It's a stalling mechanism. Smart, right? Yeah. yeah. But nowadays, with Google, they'd be on to me. Sure. They're, they're Google. They Google me immediately. Oh, I know what he's doing. You're not Mr. Boston. So you put on your resume. So do you think when that guy was halfway through our order and his pager went off to bring out food that he's never coming back? Well, I think he might have like had to ring somebody out and learn how to take an order. I got. I'll be right back. Yeah, he's doing the Boston thing. Hey, Mr. Perfect, Boston. Thank you. Somebody had one of those downstairs earlier. Oh. Perfect day for interviews. Yeah. Are we ready? I'm done. So I got it. So it's just nice. Uh, I'm gonna have the the famous hot and juicy pastrami uh, with Swiss. I'm gonna do a tuna melt. Wow. So you speak English? Barely. Uh, Imagine if you did. You want the um, macaroni salad? Yep. Perfect. It's gonna be like this is a Reuben. I'm gonna grill. Why does so, he want to grill? Here's why I was so quick to, to decide. Yes. A few weeks ago, I'm hanging out with Jamie Masada, and he, start, he starts talking about eating right. He's like, you gotta eat right, buddy. Not for yourself. Oh, buddy. The kids, buddy, the children, right. the kids. You want to see your daughter get married? Of course. I was like, you know what, you're right, but I was kind of hungry, and it wasn't that I was like, you know, I wasn't overweight or anything, I'm doing fine. You look great. But it was the holidays, and I was, you know, having whatever, and, and I don't think, it, it's interesting, because I don't think he even knew that I was kind of letting it go in terms of having drinks and eating cookies over the holidays. But for whatever reason, the conversation came up. I think that's just implied during the holidays. You're like, we're all going to put on five yeah, pounds, yeah. right? I put on like eight pounds, I think, yeah. of yeah. eating. It's we ridiculous. Had, we had in-laws in town, and every day was like, okay, so where are we going today? Yeah. Every meal we had to go Flew through money, and then it's like I don't know, a couple drinks, and I was like, "All right, am I gonna sit here and watch everybody else?" I got a couple wines. When did I spend one hundred and forty dollars? I don't even remember. And then after the two wines, I can't sleep. So 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 it's night times, like nine thirty, ten, whatever. I go, you know what, Jamie? I agree. I'm just gonna get a tuna sandwich from Greenbach, and I'm gonna go home eat it. So I showed up to eat it at home, and I go and I bring it into the bed to go eat it. My wife was waiting up for me, and she's like, "Are you gonna eat that right now?" And I'm like, "It's." Tuna. She's like, it's heavy right now, this time of night. And I was like, all right, she guilted me out of the tuna. So I put it in the fridge, and by the next day, the kids had eaten it. That's it. That's so right. now I'm getting my revenge. It's I'm getting my tuna. Circle. And that's why I knew what I wanted. <laughs> so those, those kids will just go into that fridge and help themselves with anything. It's not even that. It's, well, first of all, they would. But secondly, it's just that my wife is, you know, she's not a big cook, but she puts stuff together as she goes, right? So it's like, what do we got in the fridge? What can we make work? And, it was, and part of it was like, okay, I'm going to wake up and have breakfast, and then I wouldn't eat it till lunch. I think I had something going on at lunch. So I was like, you know what? Just let them have it. You should label your food like you have a roommate. Right? Mars. Yeah. Just put it on the yeah. styrofoam jacket. Would you have to <laughs> get home that night with food, and then talk, somebody talks you out? No. Not a chance, dude. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I'd be like, look, 
I'll leave it in the other room. But no, I'd already, no, I'd already been guilted a little bit, and I was trying to go when I was, and that's why we even want tuna because I was like, well, that's healthier it's out of the choices. Your, your mercury that yeah. you, you need. You my wife just told me yesterday that she read somewhere that the, you're not supposed to have fish anymore because I guess the contamination from the recent Fukushima. Yeah. So everything's contaminated. So I was like, okay, well now I'm not gonna have that. Well, it's the predator fish. So which fish are those? Don't eat shark? Yes, do not eat. <laughs> Don't eat the Schwarzenegger. Yeah, okay. fish. Don't uh, eat shark. It's the deep, there goes half your menu right there. Ones are still I know, now it's like there's a whole How's hierarchy. Salmon? How's salmon? Salmon's supposed to be okay. How's but it's tuna? the fishiest of the, the question fish. Is, it's you, the worst. Salmon's the worst. If you get it from that area, it's going to be fully radiated. Listen, I'm going to... Uh, we're we're, we're going to get hit with something. We're dead. I mean, it's just like, it's like, you know what? Stop. You know what I've said? I was, I was like, if I don't die from that, I'm going to die from the stress of thinking yeah. I'm going to die from eating the fish. Mm -hmm. So I was like, just do it. Let me just get one of the, you know, whatever you it is. Or it could give you superpowers in some way. That would be like, awesome. Oh, man, enough fish. Wait, fish man. <laughs> <laughs> With the power of a predator fish. Fish man. It is funny. I watch that show. The radiation that they showed the chart coming off of Fukushima. Yeah. yeah. Just the chart. Fukushima Booming, because obviously the wind and the tides are pushing it away, and it's still there. So. Oh yeah, just because it doesn't like stay in the news cycle, it doesn't mean it's like, oh, we haven't heard of it in three months. Everything's fine. Wow. Yeah. Did you I mean, read the story? I believe nuclear radiation does stay around for a little while. For a while. For a little while. Yeah. Ask Chernobyl. Well, that would be good to come up if you came up with like a nuclear radiation vacuum that we could mm -hmm. vacuum it all away and then <laughs> squirt it into some place we don't like. A lot of money. A lot Just of money. vacuum and squirt. And where would that be? North Korea? Where would they squirt it? I don't know where they would squirt it. They have to find a place. Put it in Dennis Rodman's luggage. Well, I, I, had yeah, an idea, I had an idea. I had an idea. For, you know, because I'm not a pet guy at all. You guys got pets? Mm -hmm. I have had it, but not now. You live a chameleon. <sighs> Rest in peace, Darwin. I don't have Darwin anymore. How old was? The, how long did chameleon? He, we, he was. They usually live like two to three years. He lived. He lived seven years. I, and I don't mean to denigrate. I, I kind of came off like a dick. Like you were a pet. You had a chameleon. I did have a It's like owning a little dinosaur. It you don't have to walk. Awesome. awesome. So it's only two to three less. years. That's that's a short. That's like a like like a. Yeah short relationship that you know is going to end. All right. That's so, why it's so sweet. Why did you get a chameleon? My nephews had a chameleon and um, they went out of town and their parents and my wife's sister went out of town and we chameleon sat for like a week and we were just like, ah, we fell in love with them. And when they came back, she, my wife talked to her sister and she's like, you know, the boys don't play with them that much. We had them out all the time. Yeah. So then they're like, Finger or Would he really change colors based on wherever he was? It was more mood. Like if he's in a good mood and he's like all happy and green, you could put him in like a. Because we also had plants in like every room of our house, so you could like have him on your finger and hang out with him on the shoulder, or like you were like a, a knit cat and you can put him on your head and he'll hang out. I had vines going from my desk to like a bookshelf and he just like crawl on the. So did you just wake up one day and he's dead? Or is he we had sick? to put, we had to put him down because he became so old he couldn't he couldn't hunt anymore which is like you know shooting out the the tongue to get crickets uh -huh. we always had to feed him live crickets he couldn't shoot anymore he couldn't eat he started getting really skinny oh my god so we're just like so when you loved him enough to kill him too, what do you do you take him to to a doctor he gets Viagra yeah. he's just like flushing <laughs> down the toilet <laughs> how big is he uh, buried him he's probably his finger he's probably about the length of my 
my index finger and then his tail was about the same length. Where did you bury him? We buried him in the backyard of my sister-in-law's place. Interesting. Yeah, we made him like a little um, sequin coffin for him. Ah. His wife is very arts and crafts. Yeah, she's wow. Great. She's going to do my coffin too. She's great. great. Yeah, that's a, like Liberace. Yeah. I've already, I've reserved. Yeah, yeah it's good reserved business. It was a really sad day and I felt very sad about it for like a week. It's like a member of the family. And also too, you know, doing stand-up and shows because we don't have kids so I'd leave and you know, Marty's by herself but if Darwin was with her I never felt like she was alone. Interesting. Yeah. Aliens. Kind of weird, but yeah, it's oh, like owning a dinosaur. It, they have the, like the eyes that go in different ways. Uh-huh. They like segmented hands. That, you know, he would wow. fetch, roll over. He'd fetch, roll over. He'd get the he paper. Get the newspaper in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Eat my homework. He did it all. Yeah. Interesting. So the idea I have would not work for you, but yeah. for people who have dogs, they go around picking up dog poop all the time. Is there a vacuum that does this? Like vacuum poop? Right name. There's There's not a vacuum. No, no, there no. was a terrible movie with Ben Stiller and Jack Black. I don't know if you saw that, where Jack Black invented a spray that like sprayed dog poop and it evaporated. It was like called like Evapo poop or something. Yeah, I don't remember the name of the movie. Of it. It's, that's funny. It's a funny purpose, but I saw the movie and I'm big fans of both those guys. But I was like, ooh. Uh, the vacuum poop. Vacuum poop would be terrible. You'd have to clean it. Well, no, here's the idea. The idea I have is it's like some sort of like, you know, like the. the the vacuums that you have, the, the mini-vacs or whatever. Yeah. Something like that with like a round head and it's just, you, get, you buy these bags. It's you actually pretty the, good. Put the bag on top totally of it. Put the bag on the thing like, like that, the bag's done, you throw it away. It would suck poop into the vacuum. Because you would think somebody would have done Somebody's this. Somebody's going to figure it out. Like Dyson or somebody would have done this over. Well, once they listen to this podcast. Done. You know, the shark versus It's Dyson. like when Calvin Klein's told Kramer's at the beach. That's, that was my idea. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. You, do you have a dog? We don't have a dog. I just I just people walking around thinking of shit. I got, we got cat. There's cats in the neighborhood. It's not our cats. There's cats in the neighborhood. I guess the house we're in, the lady who passed away before we uh, owned it was uh, she had cats. So the cats keep coming back, and the guy across the street like feeds the cats and stuff. But they come in, they poo right there. And cat poop supposedly can make you crazy if you touch it. Really? That's what I've heard. Yeah, you don't want. Was to she a cat lady? Like a crazy cat lady? Probably. Yeah. I should have my dog come over because my dog loves eating cats. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like a Nestle's bar to him. Oh, he loves, disgusting! It's not that's not that rare either. Yeah, and then you let him lick your face. The dogs will eat the cat poop. Yeah, they love it. Maybe love the dog cat. could be the vacuum. Oh, yeah, it's just that just sucks up. Well, no, it's nasty because every time we go in the back before we play, I'll just like, hold on, let Daddy take a look, and then there'll be something. I go, guys, get the bag, and I go, I have to get the bag, and I gotta pick up the cat. Every time, I'm like, oh, I'm find a dead rat in my backyard one day. Yeah, yeah. My next door neighbor, who is 93, and still lives alone, and is former CIA. Wow. Which he told, he could only tell me finally one day. He goes, he goes, it's finally been declassified. I'm CIA. I can tell you now. And I'm like, okay, 92 year old guy. You live next to George Washington. One time he's a, his house is a little uphill, so I see this fountain of water is coming, blasting out for like hours, and I'm like, I figure he's dead watering the garden like a yeah, gosh. Sure. Not a bad way to go. So I go over, I open his gate, he's in um, like a button shirt, no underwear. <laughs> Just wow. But naked watering, and I'm like, oh, Frank, sorry about that. <laughs> he got him. He's like, but he's 93, oh and he lives alone, and so he. Uh, he goes, I'm, I'll prove it to you. I'm going to send your dog uh, a postcard from Costa Rica. He'll get it tomorrow. And I go, okay, I'm not sure what that proves, but ah. yes. Fine. So the next day we get a postcard to Max the dog. 
from Frank in Costa Rica. In the city. That's great. Yeah, he was like a too. he was a rocket scientist guy. But what does that? But what that just proves that he's got hey, some Costa, Costa Rica. Rica. Yeah. I was like the same. I was like, okay, Frank. But just if you made it, like, you send the statement. You're like, so my neighbor who's watering the grass with no pants says he's gonna send my dog a postcard from Costa Rica. That's it's just like, happened. are you CIA or insane? Yeah. The day I met him, he was cutting the roses. He was cutting roses. I, I just moved in the house, and there was this old guy cutting the roses off my front yard bush. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm like, how's it going? He goes, oh, hey. I was like, I just totally ignored me and kept cutting the flowers. I go, oh, I moved in here. He goes, oh, great. Kept cutting them. And then at the end, he goes, oh, you don't mind. The, the guys who used to live here let me cut them. He goes, I put them on my dead wife's grave every week. You, what am I going to do? No. Oh, that's hilarious. No, you cannot. <laughs> Fucking Frank. You. It's a new regime. And you're dead. Why? That's my Here's the question. Fucking dead wife. Everyone's got, like, the crazy neighbor. He's actually turned out to be really, really a good guy. No, the, and the, like, we've got, we've got, like, a... A guy that was when we were first moving in, he was he was like walk around in fatigues, and we thought he was some like Vietnam vet or something. <laughs> sure. Turns out he's been there forever. Fatigues. He's a little crazy. His mate, his his his, his uh, roommate, well, the guy that lives with him, is a little crazy. But then the nicest people yeah. in the world. Right. But my question is, do crazy neighbors recognize other crazy people in the neighborhood, or do they just go, oh, do they recognize that they're kind of crazy? Like, do they understand? <laughs> they probably have a nickname for your family. Yeah. He's 93 and he lives alone, which is pretty amazing. I've seen like he has his own minivan or whatever, and I'll see some. I'll get home at night, it's dark, it's late, and I'll see the light on in his car, and I'll walk up, and he'll be like just sitting with his head slumped in the driver's seat. And I'll be like, Is he dead? And I'm like, I'll tap the window for a while, and he kind of pops up, and he was like clipping his nails. At like 11 o'clock. Do you like, drink? I don't think he drinks. No, he's actually really nice. He can't hear shit. And I've helped him like carry stuff in, so he loves me. That's a good name. My God, we got a guy. We got a guy. There's two guys. There's the fatigue gun. There's another guy who the is doing... guy. Is yeah. it the full like upper and lower so jacket? Lower, lower. And the poor guy hurt himself recently, so he hasn't been doing as well. But the other guy has this van he's always working on. Always working on the van. And whenever I talk to, the, to him, the conversation leads into this elaborate discussion about um, how he's doing, I guess there's something going on in the city council or something. And I mean, God bless him, he's out there fighting them. But he Literally, he says, that's why he's got the fatigues, he's taking on the city council. No, it's the other one, it's the other fatigue guy, but it's the uh, other guy. And, <laughs> and, and the con- I'm like, hey, how you doing? And, inst- and right away he's like, oh, did I tell you what happened? And it's into the story, and I'm like, I gotta go. Right. And it's this thing of just... Yeah. And it's just they, they, they have no Some sort of social Something's off socially right. That's funny Long story short It's too late for that Yeah, yeah. Our neighbor's actually happened. Really good You've hung in on you Our neighbors are Very really nice For the most part Yeah Pretty good No ours too is good <laughs> Do you ever think about Like I bought the house And that was the first house I ever bought And I originally thought About just getting Like a condo And paying like The monthly fees Or whatever And I feel like Sometimes having a home Has turned into Like a full time job Oh that definitely And I'm not Sure. Why has it always been the American dream to own a home when I was so much happier in my apartment? I think part of it is probably like back in the day, men were men and they liked to work on shit. Sure. Which we are not. I am not. We're not that at all. I hate it. I had to yell at the gardener today to pick up some trash by the trash can, and then I'm just the dick who owns the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're becoming old man Kabler. Old man 
Gary Yelich. It's like feeling like mowing this place once a week and trimming the shrimp. Yeah. No, the condo life is actually a lot easier. But for kids that having a backyard and all that stuff, sure, it's amazing. Like we, that's been. And you have a really cool backyard. Yeah, you have a good backyard and um, high walls. You can lock those kids in. It would be beautiful. Sure. Yeah, they keep them down. And now with the baby, I'm gonna have to. Fence it up. Yeah, I'm gonna have to fence it, and I'm gonna have to put like a dance floor on top of it or something, and really protect. Well, just it's good to have that just in case there's a party of some sort, dancing. Like uh, it's a wonderful life. Dude, the problem is that now the thing is you're gonna want to teach your kid how to swim. But the problem is other kids will come, yeah. and you have to be so like even my own daughter like listen we had the we had the plasticky the whatever the you know the ones that you blow up yes the, the water neighbor, wings yeah whatever the, the neighbor got one of those oh it's, it's the a, donut yeah it's like it's like whatever yeah. two, two not even a foot and a half a foot and a half and at the time my daughter was just barely walking like a year and a couple months old and so my wife is standing next to me I'm standing next to her. And she puts the baby in, and I think that she thought I had the baby. I didn't have the baby. The next thing I look down, baby is like has slipped. Dude, baby dude. slipped and looking up at me under the water, oh, and I'm no. like reaching and grab her. And I'm like, holy shit! And it's literally a second. A second. Wow. It's just a second. And you're like, oh my god. I used to be a lifeguard uh, during the summers when I was in high school. That was my job. I'd be a lifeguard. I teach swimming lessons to kids, so I didn't have to work when I was in school. Yeah. Well, yeah. You like you're up on the chair. You like. One second, the next second, you're like, you see some kid who's like wearing water wings, and they suddenly like slipped off their arms oh, at the bottom. Just seconds from dying. Did you ever have to CPR it? Again. I never did CPR. I pulled a bunch of kids out. Yeah. But I never had to do the full thing. Because fortunately, you catch them in time before they go into the full arrest. Of well, I read this article that said, it was saying how, uh, like, I don't know, it said some ama- crazy number of deaths per year for kids drowning. And it said that it's not at all like you've seen the movies where it's like, help, help. It's just one thing you turn, the next thing quietly they're gone. They're on the bottom. Right. If they ingest the, even like a, you know, a cup of water, gets, gets down the wrong pipe and it, you know, you, you, I might have to just fill the pool cardiac in the sand arrest. or something. No, listen, put a big fence around right. and, and start and really start swim, swimming lessons. We're, we're actually starting it right now. Yeah. At uh, five months we're starting it. Yeah, it's great. They say actually before, before the kid can walk, it's more natural to swim and that they're trained to hold their breath underwater. Yeah. Not trained, but that it's... Uh, and it's a lot of fun getting in there with the kids natural, and yeah. stuff. It, it is fun. They'll cry a lot. Sure. But she doesn't. She loves water. Okay, great. We can't get her out of the bath. Beautiful. We put her in the bath and she'll stay in there until she freezes to death. Yeah. And then we pull her out and she starts screaming. She loves water, which is weird for a redhead. My son went my son went back and forth, back and forth. Like he would love it, he would hate it, he would love it. And then one point one time he was in the lessons. Now he's swimming well. He was in the lessons and he starts crying and he keeps crying and it gets worse and worse and the teacher's like, it's okay, it's okay. And like, maybe was like, it like a daddy and me class? Well, was, but yeah. now I'm out of the pool, he's with the teacher, crying, crying, crying. And then and then sometimes I don't your your kid probably hasn't started doing this, but they cried to the point. Where they bark. Wow. So he cry, cry, cry. Then he barks and he barks red. And I'm like, oh my god, he's barking blood. And I'm like, holy shit. And then I go, oh, wait a minute. We just had beet juice, a smoothie. <laughs> Dodged a bullet. But let's be honest, him we all barked blood at some point. Sure. Yeah, uh, we, we I did. Yeah. It wasn't blood, really? it was wine. But then I, went to the, I got hit by a car at a party in high school. Yeah, hit 
by a car? Got hit by a car. I was hammered, and then the guy was drunk. And then the car, luckily, I grabbed. You were a pedestrian? You got hit by a car? In front of a party. Oh, okay. Like packed, like crazy snow. Where'd you grow up? New Hampshire. So the street was covered with snow, and the guy hit me, and luckily, I, my arm caught the front bumper. My body was under the car, and he went like another 50 yards. And the back of my coat wore out, but I got a concussion from smashing my hand, and I took me to the hospital. Wait, 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 you got hit, and the, your arm got, why is that luckily you got caught? Because if you wouldn't have, you would have run, you would have run right over me. So the, so you, the front was able to keep you yeah. going? I was basically hanging on the front bumper under the car as the car drove me like another 50 yards. Oh my yeah. god. Tore the coat, my coat had like one of those big parkas, the whole back was gone. Ow! Uh, and I ended up having to go to the hospital and puked up and they were like, it's blood, it's blood. And it's like, it's not. He was drinking wine. He was drinking, it was like Mogan David. It was MD 2020. Mad um, Dog 2020. Mad Dog. Was it Mogan David? Yeah. I didn't even realize. Mad Dog is. It's Mogan David I didn't realize that was, I thought it was just called Mad Dog. <laughs> Uh, might be now. Yeah. Mogan David. Mogan David. I don't, I don't remember. Mag- we had Chablis. Remember the Chablis? Like, <laughs> Where did you grow up in Paris? No, we had. It was. It was like you would put your. It was. It was. Uh, it was like a big jar. It was, it was like. It was a picture of it, and you put your finger like it had. Oh, yeah. a finger we had the glass. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Oh. Yes. The, uh, sorry about that. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a part of the glass that was built into yeah, the, to yeah, the, yeah. It was like a gallon. Yeah, it was a gallon, the gallon, exactly. I think that's the stuff that, uh, that uh, um, uh, Orson Welles was selling the wine before selling for a while. Well, if it's good enough for Orson Welles, I mean, Ernest and Gallo. Yeah, and there's like outtakes of him being just blitzed. Yeah, he couldn't see the words. Do you know James Adomian? James Sedonian. Uh, uh, James Sedonian, he does this. Yeah, he does this great impression of Orson Welles doing like the outtakes from those wine commercials. Oh, that's funny. Check it out on YouTube. It's really. Shut up. You know, it's funny. Shut up. He's great. He's great. There's also like that Orson Welles. Um, he's doing some radio ad for Snow Peas. He's like, there's a valley in, you know, New Hampshire. And he's like, this doesn't make sense at all. Who wrote this? It's all on YouTube. It's really, oh really good. I got like taking down. He's taking down the copywriter, and you can totally hear how like his his attitude and his thing maybe was a little black ice for his career and stuff. It's just was he? Who did this? Did he need the money, or was he just adding he on to his? Like he lost it. I don't know. Even though he created, it's a number one movie. Nobody would work. Wow. Yeah, and I think he did do it for money at that point. He did, remember, he did like a talk show circuit. He was very British man, Mike Douglas or whatever. Uh, he has a great, really great quote about being a director. That it's 99% of your time is spent trying to get the Work. film made. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're trying to get money. Yeah, trying to get, trying get money. money. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to was get that money. that Alec Baldwin thing? Something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just they watched quoted that. Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. Was that on Netflix or where is that? Uh, I think it is on Netflix. I think so. Or, or HBO Go or something. Okay. It's like Alec Baldwin going to Cannes. I heard, yeah. It's oh, great. Yes, that was <laughs> pitching that. really good. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I liked it. Well, it's so funny because they're pitching ridiculous. That's the joke. Uh, like, we have to have Nat Campbell's going to be in it. And then there's, there's a scene where he's like sitting with like some money people. And uh, it, 
and he's like, I don't know, I'll be in the movie, and I'll, you know, we'll have these other people, and have Campbell, and and so like Alec gets up to like make a phone call or something, and after he gets up, the money guys are like, Alec's not a big enough star for this movie. Oh no, really? <laughs> to his like producing partner. Like, oh. Speaking of, how did the how did your movie go? Jimmy Vestal. It went great. We filmed it three weeks, eighteen days, and it was kind of what. It's so true. What I didn't hear anything about big this. Year. So you're gonna have to start big deal. I did know you were doing it. Yeah, yeah so big yeah. fundraising campaign. Yeah, we did a we did a movie. It's kind of like it's called Jimmy Vestwood American Hero. It's like American with a character. Yeah, it's like Persian Pink Panther, and um, it was exactly what you guys were just talking about—the money and all that. Well, I mean, first of all, we started writing like ten years ago. We went through a bunch of rewrites. Then we did an Indie, Indiegogo campaign last year, and that was interesting because at the time I was with CAA and they had just started some department where they said um, we were going to work with Indiegogo and we have like an in with Indiegogo. <laughs> Indiegogo in? Indiegogo. Well, the problem was that the in was not really an in because what happened was because it was the CAA Indiegogo thing and it wasn't like like when we first launched we were never featured on the Indiegogo page and we're like why not? They're like well you're doing like the CAA thing which is a little more exclusive. I'm like a little too exclusive I go, nobody knows about this. Right. Guys We're so exclusive. Well, yeah. We don't let anyone know anything. So it became this thing where it was like, and then I had this, uh, I'm looking at my like Facebook page and I've got like, I don't know, 130,000 Facebook fans, whatever. Or likes. Great. So I go, everybody gives a dollar, we're good. Great. So we launch, and it's crickets. Nothing. And it's like, a couple weeks in, we made like 7,000. Our goal was 250,000. 7,000. So I'm like, what's going on? So then I like have my web guy, which I could, you could do it yourself, but you know, I have my web guy. But even guy. if you do it yourself, you say you got a web guy. Yeah, no. I got a web guy. No, no, it's no, actually me. Well, no, yeah. I, well, I, used to, I thought you needed a web guy until I realized you can just do it yourself. Right. He looked it up, and he's like, oh yeah, well, you know, 30,000 of your fans are in Egypt 20,000 are in Jordan and it just breaks it down I'm like okay great I can't make a movie but I can start a revolution you know? right it's the people that are just on there for no reason like they just right. liked it you know so then it became the struggle and then one person recommended and this is the best thing this lady goes why don't you try and do like a fundraiser and, and I talked to a guy afterwards who's done somebody put me in touch with a guy who's had successful Indiegogo campaigns he's an inventor and um, and I pissed him vacuum poop. He said, "Go fuck yourself." Okay. Right. <laughs> um, he's just oh, like, no, so this guy goes. He goes. He goes. Look, I've done a few, and he goes. The most successful ones are the ones that I took the longest preparing for. And he goes, "What you should do is." I was too late. I already launched. But he goes, "You should go around talking to people that you think might support you and are interested, and getting them to commit and say, when you launch, I will put a thousand dollars." So it pops. Yeah, and get like twenty of those guys. Get a hundred of those guys. So that right off the bat because I had people tell me they go look I went on to put money in but you're 7,000 you're trying to get 250,000 it's not going to happen and then they also think because Kickstarter it's if you don't make it you lose it Indiegogo has flex funding where you can keep it so people didn't realize Anyway, long story short, did a fundraiser up in Silicon Valley. Some guy organized it. This guy, there's a lot of tech money up there. And these guys. In Silicon are, Valley? Like, are you sure? Never heard of it. <laughs> but I mean, there's no, a lot of these Persians that have done what? So this guy organized this night. We went on a Monday night last year, and uh, last year, 2012, and made like 100 grand in one night. It was amazing. It was wow. awesome. It was wow. great. So that really was the bulk of our money. And then after that, 
people start coming in that, like, that knew me from stand-up or friends or whatever, and they all put in money. We raised a little over 500000 With the favors pulled and everything, I think it's going to look like a million dollars. I think I put in 25 bucks. 25 bucks. Right and then and then it was rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. And then we got, and then as we got closer, the feedback we were getting was, a lot of people were reading it, we knew it ourselves, was that this movie is okay, but it could go even further. Like, you could have some political aspects, some social so me and my writing partner basically rewrote the whole thing and we had a director come in who was kind of pushing for that as well so he helped rewrite it as well so end of the day we wrote a movie that we felt like in the, in the, like it took us 10 years to get to to a certain point and in the last like 4 months we rewrote it completely to something else but, but it was something we were happy with and there was 18 days of shooting I've never done it like this before I've always been an actor who shows up and goes to sleep until it's my turn right, right. And it's it was, yet, I'll, I'll come out yeah, yeah, yeah. dude it was crazy I was <laughs> running on adrenaline it was crazy I, here, now here's the best part of it was so I did that for 3 weeks then I did a guest star on a sitcom, four camera sitcom, like a week after. And when I was doing this thing, what was great was we do a take and then I go up and be like, hey man, on this next take, say this. On this next take, say whatever you want. Let's just have fun. Cover the script and then do your thing. Do whatever you want. And I had no one to to give me any sort of feedback. And then when we did that, when I did the sitcom the week after, it was, you know how it is, you rehearse it and now 30 people are watching you and then you leave and they give you notes. And I was like, no wonder why comedy on TV sucks. So I go, this comedy is an art form. And it's the only art form where, like, in this world, of the sitcom world, where you have a comedy by committee. Like, you never have an artist with 30 people behind them going, like, hey, guys, you want to go red or orange? Orange? Let's go orange, you know? Of course it's going to suck. Yeah. So it's a great experience. I saw some speaker who's talking to... It's so rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. If it's your, if it's your own baby. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking about, like, seeing... Peter, Peter Scolari was talking about doing a show with Bob Newhart and he had like another show I think it was like Judd Hirsch and Bob Newhart they had something that was very short lived on CBS it was because they were like continually rewriting and like some like 25 year old was like calling Bob Newhart to the rail like here's a he's, he had some notes here's some things just like and he saw that moment he's just like network television is dying on the vine yeah. like, this guy's been doing yeah. yeah I have some thoughts I mean, well, that's why I like the Louis C.K. deals. What a lot of people go, oh, I wish I could get that deal. And obviously, that, that doesn't mean necessarily you're going to be successful. But at least he was able to go. This is my vision. Yeah. And if it's not funny, at least he can progress on his own. Yeah. Yeah. I saw. I saw. I went to a screening where he did like a Q and A at the um, Directors Guild or, or the Producers Guild or something, where they showed two episodes of his show. And then he also was like, so here's the here's the deal. He just said, I'll do everything for three hundred grand. But I don't want any notes at all. And then if it if it fails, it'll fail. Yeah. On my on my terms. Yeah. So, yeah. But he, he's, uh, he's written on shows. He's, this is like he's been around forever. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So yeah. 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 That was oh, Letterman. That's, that's everybody's idea now. Like young comics are like, we just want the same deal as Lou. Like, yeah. 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 That was uh, Letterman's advice to Seinfeld when he was getting his show on NBC. He's like, he's like, just do it. He's like, they're going to cancel you anyway. Just make sure they cancel the show you wanted to do. That's true. That's good point. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, aren't you doing a show? I had a, I sold a show. It never went out. We just wrote the script, and it was kind of like what you guys 
was saying again, it's like it became. It always is like I've sold two shows now to CBS, and it always, as you write, it becomes. It goes away from what you pitch in the room, right? And it becomes something that you're not like you still. Okay, there's still stuff in here. Why does that happen? My question is: They hire you. They know that you've been on stage every day for the past 20 years, and that you are a polished commodity, and they're buying what you're selling. Why do they then feel that they have to change it? Well, that's because I think, I mean, it's, and this is an age-old thing where, where they take comedians and they go, okay, well, you can't just be a comedian because people aren't going to be as interested. Which, by the way, it's had, you know, Seinfeld did it and Louis doing it, but they still feel like it's in America, blah, blah, blah. So you're going to be a teacher, and uh, your parents have just moved back in. Like, they want to, it's, it's, it's a situation comedy. Always. Here's a situation. Yeah. Right. And that's why I think, like, I think the w- world we're in now is there's so many different places whether it's an Amazon or a Netflix or whatever, all these millions of places coming up, where it's like what you were saying, it's like, just do your own thing, find somebody to invest in it. Well, my question is, they yeah. bought the show, you yeah. didn't pitch the show, yeah. and they said, we love it. Yeah. We're on board, we're buying it. Yeah. Well, notes start to come in. Like, for example, like the first the show that we, that when I went to pitch, I was like, I didn't even know what my show was going to be about. Like, I don't know what it's going to be about. And I go, wait a minute, it's going to be about, like, I've been talking about this on stage, it's about my life. So I go, okay, it's kind of like, and everybody was like, every, you know, whenever there's a hit show, everyone wants a ver- version of that show on their network. It's like how I met your mother. Exactly. Only the yeah. Persian so, version. Or the modern family. Right. Yeah. Modern family yeah. meets. And so it was. It was actually. It was like. It was like. It's got hints of modern family in that it's diverse. That's the main thing. Right. So and then the, and the show is like, okay, so I'm married to an American girl, a white girl. But, but in real life, it's an Indian girl. But I was like, that's too much brown right off the bat. Right. So me, I'm married to an Indian girl. And then I go, you know, we got our nanny, my son goes to this basketball camp, and there's the Russian teachers. I go, this is running all these rules. So the nanny, like, as we went through the first few notes, like, one of the, one of the ideas was that the kids are learning. And, and, I, and I heard, I guess there's a film, I don't know, it was Jim Carrey or somebody, where, like, the kids speak Spanish, but it's in English or something. Somebody told me about that, but anyway. Spanglish? No, it wasn't Spanish. It was with Jimmy Kaler? Spanglish? Spanglish was a good movie. Um, I liked it. Um, but uh, but the idea was that in, in our real lives that our kids at a certain point had a little bit of an accent because they were hanging out so much with the nanny. Right. Um, so yeah. So the idea was well, part of it is that these kids are like my, I forget what the what the idea, the idea might have been like. The kid says something that my that the, that reveals that he's been spending too much time with the nanny, and my wife wants me to spend time with the kid, but then I still let him go with the nanny, and then the kid comes back to speak Spanish again, whatever. But within like the first round of notes, nanny was gone. They were like, no, no, yeah, why would you have a nanny? Because you know you own a pizza place. Because now, so I'm not a comedian. You're a pizza place. Your wife's a lawyer. I was like, well, we can still afford a nanny. I'm like, well, no, you, you know, we're not sure. In middle America. I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck it. We'd like to replace the nanny with a sassy gay friend. Like, uh, I, I guess we could. I guess we could do that. Like the experience I had with this film, I said if I could do a movie every two years and I made enough money to keep me going, yeah, you'd be. Out. I would do it. Absolutely. I wouldn't even want to be on the sitcom. You know. Yeah. There's a good chance. Right. 
but you do have to make some money. Mm-hmm. I'd be more inclined to be in something that's bad if it's not my own creation. If it is my own creation, people are like, hey, so it's your idea and you wrote and directed it. That's a piece of shit. Yeah. Oh. It is almost Yeah, but I did make $100,000. Like, well, we, don't, we don't care. That's my writing me. partner when we, when we did a table read. Yeah. I mean, rewritten it to the point where we liked it. I was like, dude, could you imagine if we got all the money? People, the people that were like investing, I don't think they cared as much about the story. They were like, we just think like you can do this. I was like, I mean, can you imagine if we had a, a movie that we were like, eh. right. we did this table read and we're just like, oh my god. I said that would have sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all sitting there like... It happens every day. <laughs> happens every day. People, sure people are raising money for stuff that's not that great. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then there's the emperor's new clothes. Like, well, these these people, that they they liked it. And it's just like, yeah, it's because they're, they're your manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's just really cool. Yeah. You really have a great vision for this. So Based still, on what? Are you still traveling the world doing stand-up? You're going to um, Dubai and... You know, once you're all in, on a place like that. Um, yeah, I tell people all the time. Uh, Thank you. This was, I, I don't know how long ago it was. Remember when we got together when I was like, Moss, stand up comedy, what, what's what's the deal? It was probably 12 years ago, 11 years ago. And we sat together and had coffee. And you're like, all right, now here's, you know, what the fuck do I know? But here, here's the scoop. And I do that for everybody who ever asks me. And every time I tell them, I say it's because Moz did this. So if you're in a position, do this for somebody else and pass it down the line. When people ask me now, I send them to you. <laughs> send, them, send them to Moz. Yeah. Even if someone like emails me or like, hey, hey I'm, I'm from Bay Village, Ohio, and what's the deal? It's like, well, what do I know? But here's been my experience. Here's been your thing. You know, everyone's got their own tree, if you will. Well, listen, first of all, you run into like throughout my career, I've always done that. I remember some people that like were very successful. Do you guys know who Drake Doremus is? Drake Doremus? Did you see, um, what was it called? Stupid Crazy Love or something like that? Was a movie. Oh yeah, Crazy Stupid Love. Crazy Stupid Love. Really good movie. Yeah. So this guy, when I first started, like maybe a year or two in, his mother owned a, um, a theater down in Orange County where she would put on, it was like a sketch theater and stuff. Um, and once a year, she would do stand-up comedy competition. So I go down there, I'm doing comedy competition, and here's this like 15-year-old kid, and he's like, I want to be a director, and this and that. And I'm like, hey, Ron, you're around the right place. Keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Years later, he calls me up. He's like, hey, man, I'm an, a- I'm, I'm, I'm an AFI, and I'm doing well. And he goes, I'm doing a movie. I've got this part for you. I'm like, great. So then he had this independent movie that was really fun that I went and did with him in Arizona. I'm like, I'm so proud of you, man. This is great. You really stuck to it. And then that movie didn't do well but then one day I'm sitting there on an airplane traveling and I and I, uh, I look at uh, it's like a USA Today and I see a picture of a really like scruffy looking dude it looks like homeless almost I'm like oh, whatever and then I look away and I look back and I see his name Drake Dreamers and I look closer I go that's Drake and he just won the audience award at Sundance and I'm like holy shit and I tell him I call him I'm like dude that's amazing and he's like yeah yeah so now he's like in the stratosphere he's doing whatever so you have that and then you have like I have this one kid must have been I don't know how old I have no idea but probably like early teens he starts emailing me about like oh, 
comedian. I go, right, yeah, you know, you're young, do this, do that, get on stage. And he's like, no, but I want to like, you know, I want to like perform in front of a lot of people. And I'm like, all right, well, just don't slow down. And, like, and then he's like, how much do you make? And then how much do you make? And I'm like, all right. End of communication. Take it easy, dude. Right. You know. Take it easy. I heard that um, comedians are rich. Can you comment on that? Like, like, oh wrong field. Yeah, sorry, buddy. But you do get to pick your own hours. That's true. I read that comedians work for free constantly. How could I get in on that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I mean, that, that's the guy you email. Drink tickets. I know you get paid in drink tickets. <laughs> I worked, uh, spent four hours getting two Heinekens. Yeah. Dude, I remember there was a gig. There was a girl, I forget it, her last name, Beth something. Beth, no, Lynn something. Down in Irvine. But she had a gig. And it was like, if you come down, it's a nice restaurant, and you get like a salmon meal. And it wasn't that I was starving, but it was, like, it, was, it, was the, it was the thing, it was like, oh, you get 15 minutes, not seven minutes, right. and a salmon meal. I did that gig with you. Did we do it at the maitre d' stand in like Laguna Niguel or something? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, it's at a maitre d' stand. Yeah. And my, An actual maitre d', like a It was the a microphone podium. that was attached to the podium. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maz and I knew each other from Acme, and uh, we both showed up down there, and I was like, wow. And they had to kind of slide the podium over, and then people were like eating their meal and then looking over their shoulder, like, what the fuck is going on back there? <laughs> 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 and I ate highly. Well, at and least you only had to drive an hour and a half to get down there. Yeah. But to Maz's credit, he was, he was so good. You stood up and you just told, he told his jokes and his stories, and I was like, oh, this is going to go hard. And sure enough, people turned around and started paying attention. Wow. It was a good so lesson because you've been doing a lot more stand-up than I am. Yeah. At that time, I was like, that's hilarious. I go, you know what? If you're really funny, it doesn't matter where you are or how many people are there. They'll laugh. They'll really laugh. He's always like, he's like constant. Well, no, that's not that's not always true. Because it is it is about like finding finding the key. And sometimes you find the key for like two minutes. Yeah. And then you lose the key. Oh. Sometimes the key is in another place. True. Really strong material wins out. I remember doing like a show, it was like some sushi bar in uh, like Thousand Oaks or something. The whole show was being done through a karaoke machine where like they had, they, they couldn't figure out how to turn off the, the voice modulator. So it wasn't like I would like so robotic. Sing your material. <laughs> Fly me to the moon. Who's from the moon, everyone? Can I get a ride home? Let me. But it was, uh, it was like not robotically modulated, but there was definitely like a filter on it. Like, oh. Everyone's sounding like Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> we did Edge of the World when the mic went down, and they said we're just gonna do an acapella tonight. No, oh, yeah. and you're like, what? That's a terrible idea. Yeah. The first paid show I ever did was at Treasure Island, the strip club in West LA. Oh, and I've been there with my wife. Yeah, there's a guy. Have you been there? Yeah. yeah. I gotta hear that yeah. after. But. Yeah. yeah. We went there, she, she, she thought the stripper shoes were hilarious. And she was like, Yeah, she's like, oh, look at their shoes, they're so fun. So they weren't naked, right? Yeah, they it's like know, a bikini. The, the bikini, dance, yeah. That was the whole thing. Yeah. But when I showed up, the guy goes, hey. He goes, the owners of the club sold the club last night. I go, what? I go, yeah, but the show's going to happen. I go, okay. He goes, well, they took the microphone. I go, what? I got everything at a strip club. These guys took the microphone. Yeah. How are you going to announce that Amber's coming to the stage? Yeah. Right. Well, so they were in the main room with the back room. So it was exactly what you said. We had to do acapella, which is a horrible idea. Horrible. Especially with like a bunch of amateurs. 
Yeah. yeah. We got it. So the audience has the same amount of amplification as you do on stage. It's a bad. Right. It's a and the same amount of lighting yeah. too. Yeah. No lighting. No. Lighting. <laughs> may as well just be a guy that stands in the corner. There used to be a show uh, um, on Lincoln. It was a place that's changed like 15 times. I think it was called the Bitter Redhead at the time. But they did have a microphone. But the stage was, um, you know, those those square things that you load dishes into before you put them in the dishwasher, like at a restaurant. There was four of them taped together so that you were like like three inches higher than everyone else. And like there he is. Been there. Crazy. It's crazy. It's always fun when you go up and make fun of the setup. The audience likes that. You almost have to. You have to. Otherwise, they're like, because they feel uncomfortable, they're like, this. everyone sees the elephant in the room. They're like, this is not the way this is supposed to be. A lot of times, if it's, if it's a set that you could, like, you'll never replicate, it's great. I'm serious. It's like they love it because they go, this was very unique to this situation. Yeah. They feel like something special happened. I was doing a show. It was the, um, I don't know. What is that western? You want a tomato? Nah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. What's it western? What? It's like the Chop House or something in Universal City where they have like a riding bowl. Like oh, an electronic. Oh, no. What's the name of that place? Yeah. The Saddle Ranch. Yeah, Saddle Ranch. The Saddle Ranch. Saddle Ranch. They do so, shows there. Yeah, so the microphone went out and um, the, the guy who was like, not running the show, but like the manager of the club, he's like, well, let's just, I have a, I have a megaphone. Yeah, we'll just hilarious. do the megaphone through the, I was like, oh. Did you do your vodka like? What I ended up doing, I had the megaphone and I started walking through the table. The table's like making announcements, like, attention everyone, as if I was like kind of barking things. And in the middle of the set, they fixed the microphone. I was doing well with the megaphone walking around. They fixed the microphone, went on stage with the mic, ate the biggest dick ever. Why did I leave the room with the microphone? Oh, wow. Because the stage is like eight feet high. It's a weird And the ceiling's like 85 feet. Listen, people don't realize you need to set up. Comedy setup needs to be like optimal. Like comedy causes, you know, low root, low ceilings, tight seat seating. I mean, the worst. It has to fill into me. Yeah. Because they're sharing. It's supposed to be sharing secrets. I'll do shows where they'll be like like some benefit show, and they'll have the audience like a mile away with a dance floor. I'm like, yeah, fucking mind. I did a New Year's Eve gig like that at the Sportsman Lodge with Dan Levy. Really, uh, <laughs> so far away where I was like, wow. Like across a giant dance floor. And you killed it. No, it was like pulling teeth. It was horrifying. Really What's worse is like if there's like a giant thing that you're trying to fill and sometimes you like let moments sit so that it can reach the back of the room and you're like, oh, it's it's not reaching the back of the room. I'm just standing up here quiet for no reason at all. Oh, man. Do you write on the road? Or do you do, you do a polish? I, do, I write a little bit. I riff a lot yeah. with the audience. That's kind of what I do. So that'll lead somewhere. And if I go down this avenue of gold, I'll just stay with it. Yeah. Until it, until it dries up. And they're like, where was I again in my act? <laughs> but I love being home and doing 15 to 20 minutes sets because I go, these are my nights of like trying to work out. And it's great. It's fun. Because it's 15 to 20 you're done. Even in the laugh factor, though, you get up and do you open strong with like five or six minutes. It depends. I'll either do that or I'll, or I'll get up and like start right off the bat with like talking to them. Talking to them. So that a lot of times leads you, leads them and puts them in a place of comfort. You have some fun. Then you go. It's not the same. That's yeah. not the same. No. Thing. 
when you say you have 15 or 20 minutes set, do you know what you're going to do before you get there? You just have blocks in so many different departments that you don't know exactly where you're going. You kind of feel the room. Like now. very recently, like the past, like whatever, year plus, I've been opening with my kids' stuff about how tired they make me and all this other stuff. So what's great about that is. It's about me. Usually, nine times out of ten, it's true. I just come home, come from home, where they're sleeping. Put your tuna sandwich. Put my tuna sandwich. opening because it's it's real. It just happened. It's real. It's happened. Just left and and they all relate to it. It's not, it's not like picking on anybody or anything. And then from there, maybe I'll and you know, who's got young kids? And someone's got young kids. How old are your kids? And then we start riffing on that a little bit. Da -da 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 -da. And then maybe I'll bring it back and go. Okay, now I wanted to try this bit about how my daughter peed in the park in her boots and so I'm like okay I haven't really thought about it much but it actually happened so I'm like let me just as I've, now that I've gotten joke A, B and C out let me see if I can work this and they in. know you're funny so right. they're gonna go into it yeah and they, and they know that it's real that you're really going through this shit you know and then do you do you know your clothes uh, do you have a few closers that you'll kind of find your way A few things that I feel like used to work. Yeah. Because yeah. for me, that's always sometimes the toughest thing is that you get caught up in the set and all of a sudden the light comes on. You're like, oh, okay, I really got to. <laughs> I've also ended it with like, I've also ended it with like, all right, well, guys, that's my time. Yeah. You guys have been great. Right. But it always hurts a little You've bit. You've been not great. I've been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to go, to polish it, kind of like that. Yeah, but, 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 but here's the thing is, you're not doing a headlining set. No, I know. Where you have to end it. It's hard you're to not think that way. Though. The New Year's Eve. Yeah. No, but there's no, but it's, like, it's like, look, you're there to work out two jokes. And one of them got a little bit of traction, the other one needs work. Right. In the middle, take it back. Stop, you're okay. Right. I always love that about actually you two guys are two of my favorite comics in that department in the fact that you never it never seems to phase you. Like if it's a bad set, it's like yeah it was okay, and if it's an unbelievably great set, yeah it's okay. Like, nothing haunts you. Like when I if I eat it, I don't sex. It I can't shake it. I can't come down. But that's why you got to get up eight times a week. I, I was before the pandemic. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, and because, I still couldn't shake it. But that's because but I, I realized, I always said, this is like, this is, water. This is like a painting. Stand-up is like a painting that's never done until you put it on a special and then it's done. So you're going to continue to put strokes on it. And so if you just take it as that and you go, and also, what are you talking about? There's a million reasons why they try to get you, they don't get you. You know, no, no dessert, thank you. Okay. Dessert. But you still, I think even in auditions, you don't. Things don't haunt you. You're much, Not as much. My you're point much is, more even keel. Yeah. I think that's your personality too. Yeah, and you're also, just always very happy and things yeah. are going good and you're doing but, great work. But I also realize that so many factors are involved. Why am I going to beat myself up? Sure, it's I've hard it. for me not to. Dude. But that's who I am in life. Two years ago, not this, not this year. Was it two, two or three? I forget. It was like a few yeah, years. It's, you can say 2012 is two years ago at this point. No, which is great. Confusing me. Thank you. But going into the new year, I had auditioned for this movie. Uh, you see this movie, Burt Wonderstone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I auditioned for that, too. I auditioned for that, too. Yeah, of course. We're all... I'm still waiting to hear. Yeah. I'm still waiting to hear. Every part I auditioned for got stunt cast by another friend of well, Circle, who, who are really funny guys, but it was all just cast. Well, well what happened was, I go in, I know the director, Don Scardino. From he did my, he directed my voice. Oh, yeah. And I did it. Too. Very good guy. And he did... Um, Nights of Prosperity. Yep. No, great guy. 
The two parts that had us going for, I'm sure it was probably the same parts. The two magicians. Yeah. So two magicians. One of them was joke magician guy. The other one was the guy who got eaten by the tiger. Right. So, I will cut. I'll do both. When I arrived, I decided to do the tiger one. I decided rather than doing like a German kind of, I'm going to do like a more of like an Argentinian kind of, you know, <laughs> talk like these kind of guy, you know. I love it. Okay. I mean, actually, like, as I was rehearsing it, I, was, I, I work a lot with Chris Williams. You know Chris Williams? Uh-uh. Crazy Ass Killer from Paper Paper Enthusiasm. If you see him, you know him. We, we're buddies, we live close. We, we work. So as we're working it, he's like, hey, this really, I was, he's like, this feels really good. I was like, yeah, I go, I feel good, I like this. I show up, casting director comes outside, she goes, listen, we're only going to have you do the jokey guy, because we're going older with the... Uh, Spanish guy. I go, I go, well, listen, I, go, I really, I got this thing I really want to do. And she's like, all right, you know what? Let's go in. You can do both. It's Lisa Beach. So I go in. Is, is it Lisa Beach? I go in. Don's there. Love Fest. How you doing? What's up? Oh, great. I do the thing. And they're all laughing. And Don's like, you guys never have moms? Like, it's, 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 you know, you know, when, like you go, this, this feels really good. It was one of those feels really good auditions. This is, this is great. I got a character. I do the other one. Do the other one. They like it as well. My manager, Asian, calls. He goes, "Listen, dude, you're you're like their top choice for both." I was like, "Great." Which is, by the way, the kiss of death. Yeah, right. Great. Top choice, or there's a pin in you. So it goes and goes and goes. So now it's like, so it's a movie with Steve Carell and Jim Carrey. It's awesome. Goes, goes, goes. They go, okay, listen, the jokey guy is going to Jim. I don't get that's fine because I actually wanted the other one. They go, but you're still the top choice. We're going into the holidays. Now, as we're going into the holidays, um, so the, the catch number calls my manager, Asian, goes, listen, uh, Ray, once the holidays are over, I will. I, I expect to have an offer for you. Those are the words spoken. So you're going to sit on that for like three weeks? Which, by the way, here's a call sheet. So now I'm He's going to be myself, there Tuesday, which is the kiss of death. Yeah. Call sheet is yeah. the kiss of death. So now I'm thinking to myself, now I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know what? It's great. New Year's going to start out yeah. great. Uh, then, in the meanwhile, meanwhile there's a, a pilot that's being cast. Um, and I know one of the producers and I go in and I read for it and, I, and I'm playing a psychologist for this kid genius it was the one that Marcia Gay Harden was the mother I oh yeah 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 the girl yeah. was like this kid genius and they took her to a psychologist and then the psychologist kind of bored and then suddenly he sees that she's like she's got this sixth sense so then he gets then, then he's intrigued so I play I'm, I'm auditioning with the psychologist so that so then they go listen they want you to test um, they want you to do it blah 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 I'm like great I'm going into the new year I'm going to get it so I'm, I'm going to get a show I got this now as we approach the new year um, then they're talking about the deal and they go listen man there's seven characters on the show you're like the seventh guy right. money's not as good and I'm like I'm my agents and managers are like we're going to pass we're going to pass and I go wait wait let's not let's not jump to, I go let's find out if it was a fun character I, I don't mind and I'm talking to the producer I go listen especially man. if they're like two days a week I love when my agents do that too you need to pass on this I'm sorry is there another thing that I'm busy doing right now you and your strategy that's making money yeah. we need to keep you on the hook for several other things holding out for the gold ring CBS yeah. four camera sitcom where they offer me $150,000 an episode yeah. Let's just work this yeah, one. Yeah, and then yeah. we'll 
but also let's look at the material and see what it is. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so, so then I talk to the producer and I'm like, listen, and I go, my biggest fear is not the money. I go, that's not the problem. I go, the problem is my character seven. Are you guys gonna write for me or not? And he's like, he's pushing gung ho. He's like, listen, man, we're gonna, of course, this is a fun character. Great, 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 great. Go in and test now. Before I test, I get a call from the good wife, which shoots in New York. We get a call for a guest star, one day guest star, playing like a Syrian uh, arms dealer right. suit, you know, but like very like slick. But put together. Put together. Right. And they go, so it's an offer. You don't have to audition, but it shoots in New York. So they go, you're going to have to fly to New York. It only pays like three grand or something. You've got to fly to New York, dude. So now this is like, this is all set up. I'm like, oh, oh, what are you Which, by the way, offer. Kiss of death. <laughs> kiss of death, right. So as we go on, Wardrobe fittings are the kiss of death. So right. the first thing we hear is, first thing we get is the movie. The movie, they call us back. They go, well, the funding is coming from Germany. And part of the idea is that they have to cast a German, so they've cast the Jim Carrey of Germany to play in the role. I'm like, what? They go, by yeah. the way, I think he says like one line in the entire yeah, By the way, yeah. Which, by which, the way. Which a year or two later on an airplane, I'm like, really wants to say, it's horrible. There's nothing for the guy to do. Nothing. Yeah. I'm like, that's, I, I go, all that, all that angst. And I think Will Forte played the other guy, didn't he? It was Jay Moore. But, uh, but I remember saying, when I went in, I, I went in like like the Harry Anderson magician type oh, yeah. with the yeah. hat and the fedora yeah. and the, you know. Yeah. But, it's, but, but, it's, but this is my whole point of why killers are, because then I, then I see this a year later, I'm like, this thing didn't even do anything. So so there's that, there's that. Then the, then the yes. sitcom falls apart because the guy calls me up last minute. He's like, you know what? They're not going to write for the character. Don't even, you know, we're, we're going to do it going the other way. I know the guy who got that part. That sitcom never even went. And the only thing that I missed out of that whole thing was I didn't go to the good wife because they were like, you can't get in and, and out. the only job that was in offer. The only job that was in offer. The only one that wanted you for sure. Why am I going to kill myself? Why am I going to kill myself? I have the same stories, man. And it's so funny because I I go through those attitudes, but sometimes when I go in rooms, I can't help it. I put too much pressure on I think too much about the money. And I, I go, of course I know this. And each year, I listen, it gets better and better. When I first got here, it was. And I've had those... It's you. Yeah. It is you, buddy. Yeah. It's not you. Yeah. Yeah. So many times. Yeah. It's you that's not going to get it. Yeah, let me finish my sentence. But, but yeah. why kill yourself when you know that's what I'm saying? That's why it's almost sometimes it's, it's best when you've got like, oh, I got three auditions today. I don't have time to think about this. It's always the best when you have three auditions. You just go in and try to do good work. Yeah. That's hilarious. But it's hard to remember that, especially, you know, when I first, when my boys first finished and I was still in a rent control department and then when it got canceled. I bought a house, got married. <laughs> right, of course. And so, well, that part of it sucks. You start to think money. Yeah. But that's where, now that's where you got to do what you did, which is shoot your own shit, find somebody to produce it. Find, I mean, there's, listen, dude, there's people that are half as talented as us making shit, making money, because they're just putting product out. Just put the product out, do some stand-up dates, put, piece it together. That's the thing, is that you do, you, are, you can do so many different things that I have friends who just wait for the phone to ring to act and I'm like, well, you're never Then you're screwed. I just saw, I don't want to say who, but I just saw. Like, no, no, it's okay. Say the name. No, no. I encourage you. No, no. <laughs> he used to work all the time and every year he was a pilot and it was like, I congratulate him on his new job as a real estate agent for Caldwell Bankers and I was like, oh. Yeah. You know, we're getting to an age where they're starting to fall by the wayside. Yeah. We've seen so many comics come up and not make a living. It is hard. You have to do a million different things to make your nut. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether it's commercial, 
commercials or TV or film or stand up or host. I host shows now. Or selling weapons or drugs. Weapons or, drugs you know, it's just, they have to diversify. The illegal chameleon cartel. Sure, sure. Straight from Portugal. But that's why I don't take any of the sets personally. Because I go, listen, man, there's a million factors about I mean, if, look, if I'm going to call Miles once a week. You should. So he can talk me down. Because listen, if you dialed it in, then it's like, oh, fuck, I fucked up. But if you actually sit there and go, I'm putting in the fucking time. I had an audition recently that I didn't, I didn't even want to do. I was kind of, I, like, they called me during the... It was, it was for like, the good wife. Like, well, I used to get offers. I, we might have gone the same thing because I was like, I don't even want this job. But I didn't want to say no to my agents because then I didn't want my agents to go, well, he doesn't even want to work. Okay, well, it was one of those. It was, yeah, one, yeah, of those, yeah, it was one of those where, like, they called me to go, listen, it's like 5 o'clock this afternoon. Yeah. I go, and I go, listen. In Santa Monica. Yeah, and I, was, I was like, look, I got my kids and stuff. I, gotta, I can't, I, and I go, you know what, if they want, let me put myself on tape, I'll do it. And then they come back, they go, yeah, they want you on tape. No, I got They called your bluff. Yeah, no, no, that'd be great. I'm gonna do it. And here it is. This is what I got. Maybe, maybe it's the right guy. Maybe it's not the right guy. I don't know. But here, this is what I got. And right. it's like, and it's gone. Right. Right. And you know, and it's pleasant when they call you back and they go, "Hey, they, you got it." I'm like, what? Really? Okay. Where did you get that? <laughs> no, I didn't get it. Oh, no, I was like, <laughs> why would they? But you were their first choice. And it was yours. Some German guy got a short list. Everyone's like, you can put your stuff on tape now. And it's just, I don't think I've put myself on tape. Well, I've gotten called in after putting on tape, but I've never just booked off of a tape I sent in. I booked the interpreter off a of tape, and I honestly kept thinking that they fucked up. I kept thinking that they got the wrong guy. Because mm-hmm. it was like, it wasn't even scenes of I remember that. any kind of... Did you hang out with Sean Penn at all? A little bit. I got to like, yeah, like, but that was great. But, 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 but the getting them, but it was interesting because the audition was like two scenes, and the lines were like, we're doing surveillance, and one cop says to the cop, like, Hey, they just walked in the building. All right, let's keep watching them. Okay, great. Fine. That's it. Right. Same two. Right. You know, did you see him? I saw him. But Are you capable it. of remembering those words? Oh, like, so I when I got it, I was like, are you kidding me? I honestly yeah. thought they messed up. Yeah. I, to this day, I, I think they got those. the wrong guy. Yeah, I love those. <laughs> like, really? Is that? I mean, you never know. Yeah. You never know. I did a, um, like an Apple, uh, I'm a PC, I'm a Mac. Oh, yeah. One of those spots. yeah, yeah. Uh, they put me on tape. It was like a, a month before, and I just got a call. They're like, "Yeah, they want to. They want to hire you for this." There was like no callback. There was no nothing. It was just straight because what they did was they shot all the scripts. They shot 100% of all of it because they'd go like 30 scripts and then pick like their favorite three or four. Yeah. But since they they would like lock off John Hodgman and, and Justin Long for two days and just bring everybody in because it was just that white background. Yeah. They had three cameras, like one holding a loose two and a single single. I was on set for like an hour and they were just like, oh. so, but it's one of those feelings like, I, like what? Yeah. They never aired, but yeah. it's funny. Hilarious. No, I never, I never, I never put too much weight on any of any of this shit. Being on the other side, you realize how hard it is to make a choice with like there's there's ten guys that could do it, and so of course if 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 I'm if I've got a show and you walk in and Joe Schmo walks in, I'm like, yeah, there's my buddy, he's got it. Well, Joe Schmo's pretty pretty talented guy. <laughs> Have you yeah, seen his work? I've lost out so many jobs. Like, oh, they, they, even the casting person was like, you should be getting a call, then she'd call me, and go, I'm so sorry, but they gave it to their buddy. Of course. Trying to help him make his medical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Because at the end of the day, anybody can do this job, and you're like, who who do you want on set with you for 12 hours? Absolutely. One of your friends is going to hang out. Yeah. I totally get that. Have you guys hung out with Joe Schmo for 12 hours? Joe Schmo is he's, he's kind of really a dick. pleasant. <laughs> he's, he's kind of a dick. Yeah. Just between us. No, but, um, but the, um, 
And then the thing with the stand-up, I know it's, it's, it's funny, I ran into Bobby Lee one time, he's gotten a lot better at this, but early, like, years ago, like, there was a show at the store, and it was like a Tuesday night, and there was like 20 people there, and he, had a, he was having a great set, and then he comes off stage, and he was, he was depressed, and I was like, what's wrong? He's like, there was a guy in the front who wasn't laughing. And I'm like, first of all, who knows? Guy could have had, guy could be going through a divorce, maybe he doesn't speak English, maybe it's just not his cup of tea. I mean, I'm not gonna, as a matter of fact, it's good that you're not pleasing everybody. It really is. But you're a rational person, and you're talking about Bobby. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm more, I'm in the middle between yeah. the two of you, yeah, yeah. of insanity. Yeah. I'm getting better. Yeah. And I, listen, the days I'm not working, I never, I'm like, I never sit at home and I go do whatever I want, golf, yeah. whatever. And I yeah. kind of enjoy those days. Life is short. Sometimes yeah, I get pissed short. when I have an audition. I'm like, oh, fuck, now I gotta go memorize that. Absolutely. Shit. Oh, yeah. But it's, like, but it's also with the sets. It's like, I, really, I learned this early on. I used to do the thing where the guy wasn't laughing, I'd talk to him. Okay. And I was like, wait a minute. I go, there's all these people that are not seeing his expression and they're having a great time. I just took the wind out of my own sail. Yep. I've done person. that. It, or, like, you've done giant spaces where no one can hear that guy. And if he says something, the worst thing you can do is react to him because everyone else is like, what What did he say? Did he yeah. say something? What is it? And you just hit a giant speed I did it. I did a show one time. It was, yeah, like, really it was in the back room of some... Like a family style restaurant, and I, I when I walked in, they had like a stage and everything. I was like, "Oh, here's the show." It was like a corporate thing, and like, "No, no, you're actually in the back." It was basically like this long banquet table, and just these like stone-faced Eastern Europeans. So I was like standing there, and I did like I probably did like 15, 15, 20 minutes. Nothing, absolutely nothing. But there was a couple in the back corner that were like kind of like elbowing and laughing at it and enjoying themselves. But I kind of like powered through. And as I was leaving, you know, the guy gave me the money and like the guy. Smile, you were on candid camera. You came across with two Ks, candid camera. But the guy who was laughing went come on. He's like, he's like, that was really, really funny. He's like, I'm sorry they didn't speak English. And I thought he was like saying that as like a. You, like in the sense of like you'll get him next time, buddy. But he was like, if you I was like, they really. And he's like, no, no, they really don't. None of them speak English at all. They, they just flew in from Kosovo, and they, it's yeah. one of their birthday parties. And I was like, there's so many things. That like, who, who's hiring me? As the you know, the only time I got any laugh is when some of the kids came up and started pulling on my pant legs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. I did a corporate gig for some guy's fiftieth birthday party in his house in Huntington Beach. They called and said, "Hey," and it was really good money. And I was like, "Yeah, no, I have no idea what I'm walking into. It's like a catered party." And I show up, and his wife thought it would be kitschy to hire a comic. Right. So she talked to some club owner who knew me, called me, and so sure enough, I'm hanging at a party. It's just in a living room, and he goes. At the end, I'm like, what do you want to do? They go, well, you can stand over there and tell some jokes or whatever. And so they put, they go, wait till, wait till we put the kids to bed. So they put the kids to bed up the stairs. They have me stand at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, I'm God. holding them. They pat them like they said, yeah. like And uh, the kids started screaming upstairs when they want me to start. And then finally, some dude started heckling me. And so it actually turned out great because I was in the same place of like, I'm going to have a ball. Oh, wow. And I just destroyed that dude for like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And that dude he was, was the birthday boy. He was a former Beach. He, he, was a, he was going to the Olympics in Russia. And the U.S. protested it. And so he didn't go. 
Like, you remember that, that year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these guys had tried as well. Can you imagine that to like be the best in the world? And then they go, guys, the Olympics are over. We're gonna we're gonna what? we're gonna pass. Yeah. My we're agent told me to pass on the Olympics. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We're passing. But you know, but that's but that's the point though. It's like those those are the ones where you have like they want you to talk about them. That's yeah. why I talk people out of people call me for this kind of like private party, wedding. I talk them out of it a lot. I go, listen. Don't waste your money on yeah. me because I gotta write shit about you. Right. And I go, I'll do some, but then I'm gonna get it. No, no, your friends don't want to hear about me. And I go, better yet, save your money. I'm gonna be in New York in in December. Spend a lot less. Bring twenty of your friends and come see the show. That's a Mike Birbiglia line. He said people go to shows to see a reflection of themselves on stage. Yeah, which is true. But but if you're at comedy, you're at comedy. But if you're at a wedding or your house, and so that's why those things you gotta do exactly what you did, which is find the one or two guys and destroy. I just did a 50th party down in Mexico with some guy, and I did the best part that they liked was exactly there was some guy in the front because they don't know me who was saying stuff I didn't understand what he was saying. I was like, I'm sorry, where are you from? And the guy was like some Persian guy. I go, your accent still thick. I don't even get your. I was like, anybody right. know what the. And they loved that I was picking on this guy. And I don't know who the guy was. But I know but the I rest care. of the room, they didn't like him either. That's why they're like, let him have it, Miles. Go, go, And he was a single guy. And then yeah, he came up to me and was like, that was great. Yeah, of course. Center of attention. You like how I helped the show? You like how I was like, we were great. We were great. Really. I was at like the Ice House like like a, like a week ago, two weeks ago. I was I said two lines. I was just into it. And a guy was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you, what, what do you got? Like, hey everyone, hey, welcome. Yeah, hey, what do you got? And he had like this chopped salad in front of him, and I was like, What, what do you mean, what have I got? Yeah. You know, Roy, Roy Scheider from a, a you know, you chorus got? line here. Hey, what do you got? I think we uh, have a good time way, to wrap it up. Anytime anybody says, What have you got? That is the kiss of death. That is the kiss of death. This episode is called The Kiss of Death. I tried to bring it around. It's yeah. the kiss the of new, death, which, by the way, that. is a fantastic Orson Welles film called The Kiss of Death. Wow. That is wow. a. Did you know that? I didn't know that. It's a really, it's Charlton Heston plays like a Mexican guy. I think that's meta callback. Well. Well. The fourth yeah. level yeah. in this episode is Kiss of Death. Yeah, and that's why he can't work anymore. Which, it was a remake, was uh, the David Caruso's Kiss of Death with uh, Nicolas Cage or something. No, nobody does. Oh, no, I didn't know Anyway, me and Ben Mankiewicz are going to be hosting. Uh, <laughs> We're getting our real estate license next. <laughs> well, I got some places for you to look at. If you uh, could, if one of them's mine. Oh, God. Please, oh, God. please buy it. JamieKayla.com, Sure. Anything else you guys want to talk about? No. I want to know when Mazda's movie's coming out. That, I do Hopefully too. later this year. All right. Well, I will. It's Jimmy Bestwood. Jimmy Bestwood, American hero. American hero. Yeah. Uh, semicolon buddy? Semicolon, uh, yes. Semicolon buddy. <laughs> uh, thanks again, guys. Thanks, Mike. All right, guys. That was it. Episode 11. Of the Grabbing Lunch Podcast, I'd like to thank Maz Jabrani and Jamie Kaler for making time out of their busy schedules to hang out with me. And in addition to everything else they have going on, they're fathers, guys. They're fathers. So thanks again for coming out. Also, thanks to Green Blatt's Deli uh, for the delicious tuna melt. Next week, next Wednesday, as you know, uh, these episodes get rolled out every Wednesday. I'm saying, as you know, like you might know. They're every Wednesday. Uh, next Wednesday... Kathy Ladman and Paul Provenza, comedy legends, and I use the word legends so infrequently. Comedy legends, Kathy Ladman and Paul Provenza. We actually went to Umami Burger just to see what all the fuss was about. So don't be a stranger. It's the Grabbing Lunch podcast, grabbinglunch.com, or find me 
at mattknudsen.com, M-A-T-T-K-N-U-D-S-E-N. And in the famous words of Russell Simmons, thank you all for coming. God bless. Good night. <laughs>